Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined by my good, good friend, J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it hanging, man? It is hanging pretty well, Riley. I'm getting ready for my big vacation. Yeah? Yeah, we are going to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan for a week. Next week, I will be phoneless, Twitterless, Instagram. I don't really use Instagram. Facebookless. Bro, I do have an Instagram, but I I don't know how to utilize Instagram. Instagram is a very foreign. I just recently <laughs> learned how to use Twitter. I, and, I don't think that's true. Well, I use it appropriately. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, yeah, so use it appropriately, but, uh, for Instagram, I just don't know what I would put. I did create an Instagram with the idea that I would like post like card pictures. Cause apparently Instagram is a really good way to connect with people. I know people it just is. like it's a high big, quality like, card seller market as well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I just don't, I don't know. I don't discord. I don't really understand no, that much. No. <laughs> you <don't>. Um, <laughs> so it's all, it's a mess over here in, in, in uh, flex daddy land yeah i don't know if i mentioned this on the cast but one of my favorite things is when you and andrew are trying to get a stream going and like need to figure <laughs> out how discord works <laughs> <laughs> to me the discord interface just isn't intuitive it is so intuitive and bro the best okay, part maybe though is for... i'll be at work you know it'll be like 8 a.m i'm at work and I'll see posts on my phone, like of you and Andrew trying to get Discord to work, like in the Discord chat. And I'll pop in, in the Discord chat, uh, this is a little insider info for all the listeners. So we have like a Discord channel that all of our like friend group uses, and there's a ton of voice channels in it. And one of them I specifically made for JW and Andrew to use while streaming because it has a two person limit on the voice channel. <laughs> so no one can like pop in there and mess with them. They have literally never used it. I Every time I pop, except for one time. And I don't know how you even do that. How do you Bruh. get there precisely one time and never use it again? Bruh, we did it. We did it that one time. Yeah, we're, we're fine. We're fine. We're learning. We're learning. I mean, you I, you can teach an old dog new tricks. It takes and... a while, though. No, it does. I mean, because we're <laughs> set in our ways. You know, I when I grew up, I had to fight for my 30 minutes of AOL Messenger every yeah. night, you know, I had to use dial up, you know, it, <laughs> it's a different world. Like I grew up before the internet. So I'm not really, <laughs> I mean, really, bro. Like we had a computer class, <laughs> you're acting but like mostly, you're ancient compared to me. You're just, we had, a, we had a computer class, but it was mostly just play like I spy haunted house on the computer for, yeah. you know, 45 minutes. Like, <laughs> We didn't really do anything in computer class. <laughs> you're like not even that much older than me, and you're acting like you're <laughs> like five thousand years old. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We had dial-up. You know, it's a different world. It's a different yeah. time. Twenty-seven years ago. I mean, I was two years old and playing Freddy the Fish. You know, straight out of the straight out of the womb. Yeah. You know. Okay. You ever play Freddy Fish? No. You know, like, you know, that whole genre, like the Freddy Fish and the Pajama Sams. And the, I was I was just going to bring up Pajama Sam. So they're yeah. the same idea. It occupies same the same space. I don't know if it's okay. the same company. Okay. Yeah. And then there's also loved, the, the Putt-Putt as well. 
I loved Pajama Sam. Pajama Sam was good. Yeah, I sometimes I like want to go back and like find those games. I I haven't found like a good resource for that. So. There was one that I really used to like where it was like they they were adventurers and it was this adventure game but it scaled so there was like a first grade through like a 12th grade or some, something but you were going on different adventures every grade and it was something about I remember the one that I was in I think it was like this volcano type thing I I really miss it cuz I remember having a really good time and actually learning something from it yeah but my favorite game it was like a flash game i remember i think it was on you know funny junk or something yeah and it was this monkey pilot game and you use the arrow keys and you control your monkey and he's in a spaceship Uh and he's he glides around and you're trying to avoid the spikes and land your monkey (laughs) on the platform (laughs) wait do you know what i'm talking about no i don't Okay, chat, help me out. What am I talking about here? What's the monkey game? I will say, though, you know, Discord, you know, it is a little new age, but you are still, you are young enough to occupy that age group. Monkey Lander, bro. <laughs> monkey, monkey Lander. Lander. Monkey Lander. Mini Clip. Wow. Okay, we yeah, might have to play this on stream. Was, was quite the genre. What I was going to say is my Flash game of choice, kind of almost like an ancestor to discord in a way was club penguin you know you just gaming uh, with the boys and chatting on the client like in a way like <laughs> occupied the same realm <laughs> sure sure i my my browser game of choice was unreal tournament or my my computer game of choice yeah, was unreal, unreal tournament. tournament and quick and all that that was amazing yeah i never that was an amazing i game. never played any of that stuff so yeah maybe really okay occupy a completely different space than me <laughs> It's like we lived on two different Earths. Yeah, it, it really is, man. It really is. <laughs> so, diving into it, though, I think we have some cool updates on the Players' Cup going on. Uh, obviously, the second week just happened, and players continue to advance. Honestly, the meta stayed about the same uh, in terms of representation. Um, I think there yep. are some notable callouts. So... Your deck is locked in, right? Over the course of the event, like the whole the whole way through, week one and week two, because it's just I, it's one double elimination tournament. Tournament is it not? I I was gonna say I I'm pretty sure it is locked yeah. in. So actually, with the way you were talking earlier, I was right to start, wasn't I? Yeah, I guess you were. Yeah, I guess yeah. you were. Sure. Okay, so for context, we were looking at the charts that Pokemon TCG had tweeted out because uh, that's the only. That's the only it's like the only insight have. we have into the players cup, like uh-huh. as at macro level. Um, and we were talking about some of the trends between chart to chart. And we were, tra- we were like mildly debating about whether it represented like success or representation. But now right. that we're talking about it more, I think they actually are the same thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. So let's dive into it. So in week one, we saw some, I don't know, about standard stats, you know, probably about what you'd expect, um, pretty in line with what we said would be the the representation of these decks. So you have Pikaram and Dragapult both occupying about 20 to 25%. Um, every The next most popular deck being Zacian variants, combo, and 
um, ADP occupying another mm-hmm. like 17%. Uh, and then you had Blacephalon taking 13 and then just the rest of the decks. Um, I guess uh, Obstagoon or another no, other. Yeah, so everything else just occupied the rest of the meta. So Mewtwo mm-hmm. and others, Ashian variants and stall sure. decks and uh, Spiritomb. Uh, you know, it's stuff we all know and love. Um, week two was a little more concentrated which is in some ways to be expected as you go over the course of a tournament like the best deck will separate itself Pikaram right. saw a pretty massive surge in popularity between week one and week two Dragapult saw a slight increase going from 23 to 25 I would say that's you know in macro terms it's probably about the same yeah. um, Pikaram though jumping from 19 to 26% that's a lot of success for Pikaram players at this event yeah it is. It is. I think it speaks to the consistency of the deck. You look at just, you know, the amount of things that you need to do and and what you can accomplish on a first turn. I think like Pikaram has maybe the best early game um, of any of these decks. You know, you look yeah. at ADP variants and sure. like they're gonna just pass a turn. You know, that's that's almost a guarantee with most of the Zacian decks. Same with like a Blacephalon. Like they're going to pass a turn, maybe two, maybe even three. Um, and then obviously Dragapult. Like you're just, you're giving up that first turn. Your best first turn that you could possibly get with Dragapult is attach pass. And so you look at Pikaram and it has this insane uh, turn one potential. And so I think you look at that and it makes a lot of sense why it did so well and why it performed well you know, into the second week of competition. Yeah, I mean, it really drives home the same kind of things that we've been talking about, about Pikaram just being consistent, about being a beast, and really putting pressure on decks so fast that, especially in a double elimination style tournament, where, you know, you can't afford to lose, really, um, mm-hmm. it's just a really solid choice for that event. Um, right. So it doesn't surprise me at all to see Pikaram be overrepresented overrepresented in the second week relative to the first um, just because it's so consistent that more and more more players will likely succeed on average with Pikaram relative to other decks maybe it maybe it has like a lower ceiling I don't really think it has that much lower of a ceiling um, yeah no I, I wouldn't say that but um, I definitely think that some lists were pretty interesting I did see a few of the lists I I can't remember who this speaks to what Wallace is asking in the chat. This speaks to, you know, do we know who made it? And Pokemon hasn't publicly put out deck lists or players that finished in the top, um, you know, moving on to the next, you know, week of competition. But um, I've seen some of the lists from players in certain areas and just like the ways that you can construct Pikaram have been, really cool and i've seen you know lists with four tag calls i've seen a lot of lists that have shifted away from the two boltund uh going down to just one having that as kind of your late game finisher but kind of relegating it to more of a raichu raichu spot where it's like you're not really relying on boltund to win you the game uh but it's just that auxiliary attacker that you have so a lot of i i would say from the some of the lists that i've seen like even still there's some innovation to be had uh with the pikachu and zekrom lists yeah, and Pikaram is just a great deck to innovate with because it's got such a simple core to it that you can pretty much fill the void with whatever else you want. I mean, yep. people even realistically can play decks like Green's Pikaram, which it sounds silly at times, but other times sure. you see people like doing well with it, at least sure. relatively speaking. Um, 
so I, you know, at the end of the day, Pigram is just such a simple deck that, you know, it'll find this consistent success time yeah. after time. I mean, realistically, since since Team Up came out, Pigram has been the most consistently played deck. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's cool. You can go Jirachi. You can go no Jirachi. You can go yeah. Greens. You can go Volkner. You can go, uh, you know, Heavy Dedenne. You can go Light Dedenne. I mean, it, there's a lot of ways that you can Heavy Tag Call, No Tag Call. I mean, there's just so many ways that you can play the deck that um, you, know, you can really adapt it to what uh, what you feel kind of fits your needs, fits your metagame, fits, you know, the way that you conceptualize the deck. And that's really great. So I think, uh, you know, we were talking about this heading into the Players' Cup that we feel Pikachu and Zekrom was just going to be a general choice for that early game aggression that it can provide, the kind of general consistency, I would say, that it has in relation to a lot of the other decks. And, um, you know, kind of the ease of acquiring cards for someone that, you know, maybe was generating a lot of tickets but didn't have a tier one deck. I mean, I think that was... I don't, I don't want to say that that's a lot of players, but certainly there are those players that have, you know, likely advanced past week two that just maybe, you know, played a lot of uh, played a lot of TCGO but didn't really use meta decks and, like, maybe had to turn to something a little bit more standardized. Yeah. So uh, for those reasons, you know, you're looking at Pikachu Zekrom as, as being a, a really strong choice heading into the Players' Cup and proving us right. Yeah, and one thing I do find interesting is how centralized this meta really got in the second week of play. We saw all of the niche decks. So if you take all of the Zacian variants, the Blacephalons, the Dragapults, and the Pikachus, they took up more of a meta at large, and then the rest of the meta keeps shrinking. One thing I found especially yeah. interesting was the other decks, which comprised a huge amount of things, I'm sure, just shrink to two-thirds of what it was before so hmm. that's a pretty substantial hmm. dip um i mean to me what that says is the meta is just very centralized right now um mm-hmm. the the decks are clearly defined as being the best decks and you know if you're playing it's like kind of one of those weird metas where it's like if you're playing outside these like top four decks it's almost like you're trolling yourself <laughs> <laughs> right right well and you look at it i mean they're so far and away better in in my opinion than yeah. a lot of the other decks like just the the since i've played like we've never well i don't want to say never but i haven't really seen this kind of quality across the board from the top you know four decks um just being he- head and shoulders really in my eyes above the rest of the field like it, it's almost not even close and a lot of times it's not even fair um you know you look at like counter decks like obstagoon where the most played deck has like a reasonable shot at beating obstagoon uh you know pikaram like has a reasonable shot at beating obstagoon in any given matchup and that's just that's just wild like it just takes (laughs) there aren't even counters to the best decks that reliably win so um these top four decks being you know pikaram dragapult blacephalon and then azashin variant um really taking control like you said of the metagame and there's almost well there's no reason to really play anything else yeah and you know if you look at the numbers in that kind of way i think a lot of metas will paint a similar story where there's you know clearly some better decks and that's just the nature of card games right i think pokemon has actually done a relatively good job of spreading the love like you know right I, i would say like four variants of decks being like the main meta is a pretty reasonable amount like yeah when you look at things like other card games Yu-Gi-Oh and magic they've had a lot of metas recently even where it's been one deck 
and that's it. Sure. Um, sure. Maybe two. So, you know, I, I, I like to give Pokemon its credit, but the meta is fairly centralized. And when you have such a diverse array of decks and a cast of characters like Pokemon, and I think that almost is what makes the a centralized meta in Pokemon feel like a little worse just because there's so many like beloved characters in the series sure. that like when you don't get to use your favorite ones it just feels kind of bad although to be fair <laughs> counterpoint you know Pokemon is able to double up or sometimes triple up with the tag team cards well they used to be able to do that <laughs> yeah now now those are canceled <laughs> right exactly so, another victim of uh, of 20 cancel culture yeah there goes the tag teams. <laughs> Said some mean things on Twitter. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, overall, I think I think it's probably a fine direction. Like, the meta is probably not ridiculously unhealthy. Can't say I'm a huge fan of exactly where it is right now, though. Just the game as sure. a whole. Um, and we've talked about this before on on the cast and off. Um, I just I don't like these gigantic Pokemon just swinging back for multiple prizes at each other all the time. Yeah, it, yeah. Especially as I played more and more of these old formats, like using Tabletop Simulator and yeah, um, and just like you know talking with my friends online. I really prefer when the game takes a slower stance and you know sure. you're forced to evolve and route your prizes really methodically. Yeah. Like yep. I will say what this meta has done better than more recent ones is there's less one-shotting um, outside of, like, Lacephalon. There's not really much one-shotting going on. I guess Sashin is, like, one-shotting things for three prizes on Certain the bench. Certain things, yeah, sure, um, sure. But, you know, I think at least the concept of multi-hit KOs is a, is a good direction. But, um, like, when I think of the most fun metas to play... I think of ones where you actually have to take six prize cards and you have to figure yeah. out how you're going to do that. Uh, um, six attacks, you mean? Because, I mean, obviously, we're right, taking six, six prize cards, cards on six Pokemon. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Those are my favorite metas to play. Yeah. Um, by far and away, uh, I really enjoy, like, figuring out those routes, thinking about resources, and none of that stuff really feels like of it course. comes to mind. I mean, Blacephalon is the only deck that I think really devotes brain power to resources. And mm-hmm. it's only because it tosses them all away in the process of one-shotting. Yeah, right, right. And I think something that some of the older formats do really well also, uh, at least in the GX era, is kind of you, you contrast like this very powerful Pokemon with its very average and weak basic. And so there's some opportunity to kind of cut the head off uh, before... Um, you know, the damage can be done, you know, in a sense, like you can, you can really get after the Zeruas uh, because when they evolve into Zorark, it's going to be, you know, a lot harder and they get really strong, but they're kind of vulnerable for that one turn. And we don't really see that a ton in this metagame yeah, uh, it's, where it's almost the, there's that vulnerability where, you know, you can, yeah. you can really disrupt an opponent before they can get going. Well, what I was going to say is besides yeah. the Zacian decks that take multiple extra prizes, you know, the two prize versus the three prize for some of those Vs and Vmaxes doesn't really make a difference in some cases. Yeah. Um, you know, you're still going to have to take either two or three knockouts, depending on which one you're KOing. So yeah, it just kind of feels rough. And another thing, actually looping back to GXs, and I, we talked about this last week, I think, but, um, you know, being able to control, like, the prizes on your board a little more, uh, both 
in even and odd directions. So if you want to only have one prizes on your board with the GX deck, you can do that. You know, just yeah. have your basics fill the board. If you want to only have two prizes, that's also a thing. Like if you're at, if your opponent's taking right. five prizes, you just evolve all your Zeruas, like put your Lele down to fill your bench. And you know, now you have these big guys that you need to take an extra prize yeah. on to play the seven prize game. Like, yep. I feel like a lot of this nuance is just not here right now. I mm-hmm. And I don't know what necessarily has caused it, but it feels less satisfying to me. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if there were any bands that I mean, just this is all like hypothetical and like retrospect. Like if there was a ban that you could make to this metagame, do you think that there is a ban that would solve the problems? And if there is, what would you ban? Not really. I mean, if you had to ban anything, it would probably be ADP just because it stifles out all the one prize decks. But I feel yeah. like we Dragapult almost kind of does the same thing. Yeah. You know, in a different way. It takes a different route to also choking out like smaller decks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I don't know if I have a good answer. Um I think one of the ben- and to Pokemon's credit, one of the better things about Pokemon that Pokemon and Magic both share is the rotation system. And in theory, the rotation system allows you to dial back the power level of the format because you can yeah. print some cards that will temporarily be crap and then you rotate out the cards that are overpowered and then the game is like in a better state again yep. what i don't think is happening though is i don't think pokemon actually takes advantage of the system that is put in place for itself um like rotation <laughs> has allowed them to experiment with things like we did tag teams for a rotation and now we're doing v's and v maxes for a rotation who knows what's the next mechanic will do but instead of like using that as opportunities to like move the power level up and down it just keeps going up uh which isn't in my opinion the way to handle it like why why even have a rotation at the power level of the cards is just going to get higher and higher right (laughs) right exactly that's that's a really really good point and to see you would like to see pokemon kind of like move in that middle ground maybe trend upwards because you know generally like more HP and more power is like going to sell more cards. You know, I, I think that's just the general thought. Like sure. you look at it, a card that has two Pokemon on it and that's cooler than a card that just has one Pokemon on it or a card that does, so, you know, I mean, teams were insane cool. amount of damage. It's just cool better cards. than a card that doesn't. But um, <laughs> you would like to see the balance in a way that things could come back and things can dial back. And uh, it does feel like we're on this runaway train in a sense that, um, we're kind of careening off and like going upwards at this exponential rate. Um, do you think that a more VMAX dominated metagame will solve any of these issues that we're talking about with this current meta? I mean, I definitely I definitely think VMAXs were a better idea than tag teams in terms of yeah. like game balance. I think tag teams yeah. were cooler cards. <laughs> yeah, but sure. uh, I think VMAXs are potentially better designed cards. Um, and you know, we, and it comes that to... that comes back to what we were talking about with like this GX era where you could evolve. You know, again going back yeah, to like Zerua to Zorark. You know, it's just it's it's a better kind of idea there where you have to choose whether or not to evolve your VMAX or not. But I don't on. think VMAXs are as good as the evolving GXs. I think evolving GXs are probably one of the better mechanics they've done in the last few years. Um, and on the whole. I think black and white was really the turning point where afterwards things started to really ramp up. Um, so 
I, you know, it's hard to say right now. I don't. None of the VMAXs are like so insane that they, you know, just destroy everything and yeah. blow everything out of the water. Dragapult's really the only one that has that problem, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, so I, I think VMAXs have the potential to like slow the game a little bit, but you know, we still run into the same problem where we have gigantic Pokemon that give multiple prizes. Um, yeah. And I don't. I think the way that Pokemon is designing their cards, they've kind of rabbit holed themselves where now you keep digging deeper and deeper as like your mechanism to solve the problem. And it, it extends beyond the multi-price Pokemon too, right? Because the single price Pokemon have to do more damage and have more HP to deal with these giant Pokemon to even be a viable thing at all. Right. And so, you know, because the single price Pokemon are also escalating, like there's no <laughs> basis to de-escalate yeah. the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, you could see, or at least I can see in the current meta where they did try to have that balance, and that comes in the form of Blacephalon and Spiritomb. I mean, those are our prominent one-prizers, but you can see there kind of the gears turning, I, I think, you know, really, with card design and, um, you know, focus and things like this. So Blacephalon just being able to have that one-shot potential, but maybe not as, um, not as cost-efficient in those one prize matchups. Like you look at the Blacephalon yeah. versus Malamar matchup when that was a thing and Blacephalon just couldn't even compete really. Um, and so I, I felt like Blacephalon, you know, love it or hate it is this kind of, yeah, savior of this format uh, in the sense that it does allow for, you know, if, yeah, I just certain things were banned, like it, or certain things weren't created, like it would allow for maybe a a little more healthy of a meta game. I I don't know. I say maybe, but it you know if we live in a world where Baby Cephalon is currently the only viable single prize archetype, like maybe Cephalon itself is just also a problematic card, you know. <laughs> but I mean, it in my opinion, it really isn't. Like you need so many pieces to combo well with baby blacephalon i mean they gave it a lot of tools so okay there's there's that like it, it's pretty insane the amount of stuff you can do yeah. in a baby blacephalon deck but you do need a lot of combo pieces in any one turn and i think that's fairly you know fairly reasonable to give that kind of card those amount of tools against what it has to go against in these vmax and tag team pokemon yeah i guess i i guess i would agree more if there were like actual one prize archetypes that would punish the cost inefficiency of it well that's and that's what again that's why i'm saying like when you look back at the format where blacephalon and like a deck like malamar were two big contenders you know you couldn't take a blacephalon deck to a tournament that had malamar because it just wouldn't perform well like the the ratio of energy to um prizes was just too bad for the blacephalon player and so like you see adp kind of stifling out uh, and zashin prism uh, combos, Ashen, kind of stifling out those one prize decks like a Malamar. Um, so I don't know. I again, and that kind of rotates back to what you were talking about. Maybe if you ban an ADP or something, then you have like a rise or a resurgence of a deck like Malamar or something. But yeah, uh, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, I think if we had to point to one card that is <laughs> strangling the meta at all, I think it's probably ADP. Just yeah. by virtue of its existence, it makes. Yeah, yeah. But I think Dragapult again reiterating i think dragapult will have a similar effect where it can continue to spread damage especially like having an evolving one prize deck against dragapult like that sounds horrible <laughs> sure 
you know? <laughs> yeah. Imagine yeah. whiffing rare candy against Dragapult, man. That sounds awful. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely going to have a bad time. I don't know. I think the problem is, you know, even though rotation in theory allows you to dial back power levels, to do that, you need to print sets of unsatisfying cards. Uh, like, the cards need to be substantially weaker for multiple sets in a row, which means that the meta won't change for the duration of those sets being added to the game. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. And not only that, like, from a sales perspective, like, if I'm a businessman trying to sell my Pokemon cards, uh, you know, I don't want to print cards that are worse. <laughs> you know, who's going to buy those? Right. Right. <laughs> So right. Just, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a tough. Traps, it's know? a tough spot. I feel like just in general for, um, for card games, like you said, like they, they're yeah. stuck between this. You know, okay, how do you? You know, we go from these GXs that are pretty pretty strong compared to what we had before, and then okay, now we go into tag teams, and then okay, now we have V maxes, and it's like the HP gets higher and the attacks get, um, you know, more crazy, and like I, I don't know, I'm a little fearful about what happens next. Yeah. The next <laughs> you know, thing. If we, if we think about, you know, whether it be a new mechanic or just more Pokemon V max, like I, I'm a little, gotta say a little bit concerned about what we will see in the next year or two when the new mechanics come out, because on the current trend, you know, we're seeing in post rotation, at least that kind of testing ground that there aren't really a ton of viable, uh, certainly not a ton of viable one prize decks. I think it's, it is going to be centered ar- a lot around the VMAX Pokemon and just what does that mean for the game? And does that make the game any more or less fun? And I, I think the answer is less fun. I, I'm optimistic, but it's just, you, you look past that too. And just thinking about the power creep and where it could take us. And it's pretty scary. Yeah. It is. I mean, I I really don't want to see the day where four prize Pokemon get printed. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, eventually, or just have a five prize Pokemon. You know, you, you or like a, like a six prize. I mean, I mean, realistically, like a six prize Pokemon. You know, you knock this one out. Like it'd be it'd be incorporated like maybe with the raid mechanic, where you know you just have this massive gigantamax and it takes you know you knock it out and it takes all six prizes it has like a thousand health or something i mean that that <laughs> yeah. seems something very reasonable that could happen yeah I don't it, know. it could be like an, a legend kind of card where you like take two cards and make it one oh god yeah. I'm, I'm giving them an idea you know <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut that in post <laughs> i could i could see so i could like see that it was the worst part like a two-part really nice hollow card that is worth like six prizes and it has like 700 health you know yeah yeah i i I regret even like saying it and speaking it into into existence into the sphere of my existence so yeah yeah massive regrets there i you know that's not to say i hate pokemon like pokemon is still my favorite card game to play it's still my favorite game it's still my favorite series i just I think it's a natural problem that card games run into and it's a really hard one to, to manage. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if there's a solution fundamentally to the problem of balancing card games. Yeah. I mean, it, it, maybe it comes down to, I think one thing that we're looking at, like, again, in this post rotation metagame is like, you're not really something that we've had in the past that you're not seeing heading into the future are these counter cards 
these have balanced the game throughout my 10 years in the game where it's like, um, you know, if your Pokemon was knocked out, then you do an additional amount of damage, like a retaliate kind of attack or, a, um, you know, a copy kind of attack that would hit a Pokemon for weakness. And they're a little bit more splashable. I think about things like Mimikyu or Terrakian or uh, Drudagon, if anyone remembers that from like five or six years ago. But these yeah. kind of retaliate attacks that can be powered up fairly efficiently, counter gain or like a double colorless or, um, you know, an energy and a, a, some way to accelerate. Um, but just being able to hit those weaknesses that otherwise that deck couldn't hit to keep the deck alive in certain matchups that it otherwise wouldn't have uh, the ability to overcome. And that's something that I'm seeing here in this sword and shield era of cards that is lacking. Like we really aren't seeing these kind of retaliate attacks being printed um, or at least splashable attackers. And when you consider that the primary mechanic that seems to be pushed out now is like these V max is like, you kind of need to hit for weakness to one shot them. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's tough when you don't have these retaliate attacks because it means that only a specific archetype can counteract, you know, the top archetype. And that that's a little bit concerning to me as well. I would counterpoint that in saying that I don't think it would be healthy to have very efficient attackers able to one-hit KO VMAX Pokemon. Okay. Okay. Like a basic one-prizer being able to one-hit KO a VMAX, I don't think is any healthier than what VMAXs are already causing. Interesting. Okay, i just elaborate more on that. I mean, what do you think realistically what we want out of the game is we want it to be slower and yeah by introducing sure. just a bunch of one prize pokemon that can one hit ko anything like these v maxes are are probably not going to go anywhere regardless but instead we just have like these crappy counter pokemon that just make everything feel horrible to play you know and you're giving up so much it's not like it's not like terrakian one hit KOing a dark ride and giving up two prizes this is a th this is half of your prize cards <laughs> that you're just giving up immediately for a one prize thing and like yeah i think buzzwall is probably one of the better examples of how to handle that um where it's on it a just very gives you specific one well turn. okay i and i guess and you play guess, around you know, I, sure sure and and sure and and that would be again something that i've just i'm like, throwing out into the into the air here as just something that i am not seeing with the yeah. card design of sword and shield on i'm not seeing these kinds of counter cards like a buzzwool. Well, that's a great example actually of a very balanced card where it's like insanely powerful on like one turn. Balanced you know? post strong energy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. But I'm just I, I don't know. And maybe maybe there are those kinds of cards that I'm missing, but I just haven't seen that from um this sword and shield block on. And it just it, it kind of concerns me that there aren't these kinds of cards that do significant damage to V Maxes for uh, you know, a splashable cost. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, I'd like to see more like one prize boxy kind of decks be a thing. Um, you know, we were talking just yesterday in our group chat about um, like Rayquaza and the 2018 world's meta and Buzzgarb Shrine. And I think Buzzgarb Shrine, um, while also being kind of an oppressive deck, 
was a good example of like a one prize toolboxy kind of deck. You know, you use yeah. your rainbows and your attackers and you build a toolbox this is, to deal with this. This is 2018 worlds for those yeah. of you. And, that... I, and of course, like Buzzgarb Shrine also bled well into um, the 2018-19 season. Um, yeah. So I think that's a, a good example of like a what a one prize countery kind of style deck would look like. You know, yeah. obviously it's not the most consistent deck just by virtue of being what it is like a special energy reliant one prize deck but it mm -hmm. was very powerful it, it dealt with the meta well but it dealt with the meta in specific ways like the meta was very item heavy like the Quasar decks yeah. so the Garbodors are really good against that the combination of Sledgehammer and Ability Lock was super good against Zorark um, it was just a that's like in my mind that's the kind of decks I want to see more of now sure um, and as someone who really thought Buzzgarb Shrine was horrible and oppressive to play against in the early 2018-19 season um, yeah. i would rather have more decks like that that force you to think about how you're playing the game yeah and, and that is true it's true you did have to think about you know okay when do i want to evolve and like uh, in a split evolution tree you know that deck played one so when do i want to evolve into my trash lanch garbador and when do i want to evolve into my um you know ability lock garbador and when do I want to attack with this Pokemon versus this other Pokemon? And like, do I want to bench something early if I know that it could get knocked out and that's my only chance to, you know, swing this matchup. And yeah, there were a lot of thoughts that went into that deck. And I yeah. see your point there in that this kind of, maybe it's not a specific like retaliate style where it's like an immediate one shot on, you know, a, a high HP Pokemon, but it is kind of this thinking deck that is based around, basic or um stage ones that only take you know only give up one prize um, yeah where you still had to do the thinking you still had to do the calculating the routes the management all this kind of stuff to put you in a position to win but it wasn't as i guess oppressive as my initial idea where it's just like <laughs> oh you knocked me out and then all right i'll just attach my one energy and blow you up you know that, that okay that could get hairy <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> i think when I picture a healthier game, I think more turns is better. I think mm. like slower methodical gameplay is better. Like yes, VMAXs kind of have more methodical gameplay into each other, but there's so little choice in what you're doing with a VMAX. Like a lot of them have one attack. Uh, yeah. I think Dragapult's one of the few that has two. Um, and besides yeah. that, like and there's like no real reason that you would want to use shred over the other attack. It's just, like it's not like you're not you really making a choice. Energy, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you use shred if you have one energy and you use um, max <laughs> phantom if you have two. Right. So that's that. Um, yeah. So I, I would like to see more stuff like that. It's more of a toolbox, more variety of attackers, more turns. I think that's where the skill expression is, right? Like the more turns mm -hmm. a game takes, the more actions that are going on and i'm disincluding stall from that particular conversation um not yeah. that stall is a no skill deck but um like the more me methodical gameplay that goes into it the better players will succeed the more yeah. fun the game is because you're actually thinking about what's going on i yeah and i will i will kind of um not, it's not really a counter but it's just saying that the skill right now you're saying that the skill is removed from the in-game play uh, or being lessened from the in-game play, I would agree. I think that skill now is shifted, you know, how much of it 
is up for debate and whether or not it's like a very large shift. But a lot of that skill shift is going towards the deck building. I don't think yes that is. No. I mean, the problem I have with deck building being the, the main source of skill expression is that anyone can get a good list. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and not just like not anyone can make a good list, but anyone can get a good list, you sure. know, whether it's sure. from an article or from a YouTube video or someone shares it to them. And they, and then from there, the gameplay is so straightforward, you know, that, and I, I don't want to, this isn't me like insulting anyone or, or like trying to frame the gameplay as being zero skill right now. Cause obviously it's not like you still see players consistently doing well right now. Um, yeah. It just feels less so to me than in times that was more methodical and slow. Mm. sure sure and yeah I, I don't know quite what to say to that except yeah i i would say that you know we still have or we should still have innovative deck lists coming out you know post rotation that just things that we haven't thought of that maybe just shake up the whole idea of what we're thinking post rotation can be <laughs> um we have talked a lot about this format and we'll still talk a little bit more about this format here in the next couple of weeks as we just move into this weird kind of bridge time between uh, current format and the new set and post rotation. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe there is some kind of combination of cards that does come out that is exactly what we're talking about here. Like we think I'm thinking about, you know, like a Kerbominable uh, being just <laughs> one of these Pokemon that I had no idea it existed. And I had no idea that it could, you know, see any play. And obviously it has some really good use. Um, and maybe there's some deck that, you know, can use these kinds of attackers that we're just not even thinking of that kind of flips the meta on its head. Doesn't appear to be that way from uh, from all the studying that I've done on post-rotation, all the stuff that I've seen from, from players um, <laughs> and all the games that I've tested and all the, you know, thought that I put into it. But you never know. You never yeah. know. Yeah, and I'll reemphasize this is not us waving the flag of defeat you know we're right. still we're still in it we still love the game um we just would love to see it be better because we love the game yeah <laughs> that's where yeah. that's where it comes from um, sure i'd love to answer some of these questions or at least talk through them in chat um, yeah andrew dank is asking has stall and control all but died out um i mean not necessarily died out but it's on a pretty low point right now i mean the stall decks you know they have to hit hammers to succeed against stuff like Dragapult and ADP consistently, uh, especially with the addis- addition of bosses' orders into the meta. So it's just in a tough spot, and I don't think there's a reason to put yourself in that tough spot willingly when you could just play one of the better decks. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think just to uh, just to wrap up the to, and you can we can answer obviously more questions after yeah. uh, this, but just to wrap up my thoughts on this format is I feel like we are going to well I know I will in a couple years I may be kind of low on this format like how excited I am about this current format, but I think in a couple years you know when we go back and revisit this format I think we will find that there was enough diversity and enough interplay amongst the top decks to make it an interesting format in retrospect. I think going through it right now or seeing just, you know, it's it's kind of the same stuff being rehashed, but I think going back, we'll look at this metagame and say, you know what, it really wasn't all that bad. Uh, there was a lot of different options that you could do in terms of deck building and a lot of different decks that you could play uh, that all kind of had relatively 
decent matchups with one another. Certainly there were some, you know, um, uh, certainly there were some matchups that, you know, are just blowouts, but I think generally speaking, you have interesting gameplay amongst the top, you know, five decks. And so I'm going to like this format, I think in a couple of years when we go back and play old. Yeah. Formats. I mean, you know, the, the opinion of the format, I, I don't want to harp on this forever, but I think the opinion of the format is also informed by the formats preceding it. And so what I mean by that is, yeah, you know, sure. we've been playing Picaram for a year now. We've been yeah. playing, <laughs> we've sure, been playing sure. Zashian variants for a couple, sure. for half a year. We've been playing ADP variants for, you know, almost a year. So it, it gets old, you know, it gets, yeah, Picaram will be playing for a year and a half, actually. Yeah, <laughs> so, sure. Now that I think about it, time time's really flown. So, you know, when you combine that, it, it also, like, paints your your opinion of how things are currently. Yeah, of course, of course. So, uh, not not to not to harp on, on that any further. No, 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 no um, definitely not. Alex Garcia also asking, Garbodor was really good for its time and really helped slow down the game. What killed it off? I think that's a really good observation. Garbodor definitely had a major impact on how people approached the game when it was released. What killed it off? The HP. The HP's got too high. Garbodor can't do that much damage anymore. <laughs> it just, it almost like isn't physically possible for Garbodor to, like you have to be doing something wrong. You have to be really going crazy. <laughs> yeah, for Garbodor to knock out an ADP, you know? Um, Especially for Garbodor. Standard. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just, yeah, in expanded, you know, you, there's still some Garbodor things floating around, but um, in standard, just, well, it just can Obviously Garbodor is rotating standard. Like I, I, I know that, I'm just saying like, in the way the decks are built in standard, if there was an exact reprint of Garbodor, it wouldn't KO anything. Sure. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, uh, Wallace says here, are you guys buying Darkness Ablaze cards? I think there's probably another set before tournaments are back. I, so are you buying any Darkness Ablaze cards, Riley? Um, Like physical cards? Uh, yeah. Not, not at the moment. I feel like I'd rather just wait personally just because yeah. i'm not going to be even if physical events start i'm not going to play in them until i think it is actually safe and i don't think that'll be for a while in the united states i think that i will keep my eyes out to fullgripgames.com to see if they have any good deals and if they do have good deals i'll pick them up um but yeah i mean i i kind of echo that sentiment just like trying to figure out what it would mean to have these physical cards. And I think I would just buy them on, on special or on, on a deal, or if I had a discount or if I had store credit or something to use up, but maybe not going out of my way to get, you know, play sets of, of everything that I need uh, as I would for like a normal set. It, it feels weird and it kind of just sucks to say, but uh, again, without tabletop tournaments, it's tough to justify dumping, you know, the money that you would normally dump into a new set in physical cards into that. What I will be doing for sure is I will be buying Rowlet from the set because I collect every <laughs> single Rowlet. I'll be going to fullgroupgames.com for that. And I will also be buying codes because I want to play online. Yes. And I know no better resource than fullgroupcodes.com. <laughs> there you go. I think the codes are like going to explode, dude. I think we've already been seeing this like uptick in yeah, just I general mean, price codes of codes. Expensive. Yeah. The codes are absolutely insane so i would i would 100 percent go to a site that you trust for that kind of stuff because i could i could totally see like a 
Anyway, I, I, never mind. Forget that thought. Yeah, but so I would go to a website codes. that you trust, <laughs> four codes, and um, yeah, and try to get try to get those deals because like it should just boost up and up and up. We've been seeing kind of a general trend with every new set release that the codes go up and they seem to get more expensive every single time. Yeah. Waterman999 asking, do you think they will make the game more skill-based? That is a tough question inherently. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I, I think they will try. You know, I think they will do what they can to introduce skillful archetypes um, yeah. while also maintaining business interests and, you know, following the will of the player base. Like, ultimately, like a certain kinds of play styles and cards are what is ends up selling well then that's what they're going to develop to so sure um alex garcia asking probably the perfect capstone question for the episode without irl tournaments which beyblade do you think will dominate their current meta jw thoughts uh, i gotta say the red one with the, the spikes for sure yeah uh alex i think it's gonna be that, that i i'm a big fan of the left-handed Beyblades. I'm a right-handed guy, but a left-handed blader. <laughs> so, wait, do you hold it in the left hand and rip it you, with the right, or you rip it with the left and hold it in the right? Uh, I forget. But I remember they were distinctly <laughs> left-handed Beyblades. Alex Garcia told me this when I played with them. <laughs> so, okay, uh, I think the left-handed blades are really poised to dominate the meta right now. Huh. With Alright, well, only time will tell. So that is our episode, guys. Thank you so, so much for joining us. It turned out to be a way longer episode than uh, we anticipated, which I feel like we always say. Yeah, we're just really passionate. You know, we get in the <laughs> heat of discussion and we just keep talking. So like GW said, thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you all. Your your continued support means so much to us. Um, you have no idea, especially in this time. It is incredibly difficult to to maintain the tempo of content uh, while, you know, COVID is happening and there's no real life tournaments and physical card tournaments are, or physical cards aren't really a thing. Um, so we're doing our best for you and we appreciate that return sentiment to us. If you have any ideas about things that we should talk about or any general funny nuances that you want to give us, feel free to follow us at tag team Pokemon on Twitter and give us over a DM. Um, We'd be happy to see what you all got. And if we see anything particularly funny or interesting, we might read it here on the cast. <laughs> Absolutely. Always looking for content. Always. We're thirsty <laughs> for it. Very good. So I will be starting up the After Dark stream here in a second. Thank you guys all for watching. We are Tag Team. Follow us again on Twitter. You can watch the episode if you missed any of it. Catch us on all the uh, platforms, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, or on my YouTube channel, Flex Daddy Righteous. I post the VOD from the cast the day after. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know it was a lot of fun to make, and uh, I will be out of town next week. But we'll catch you on the next episode. See you, everyone. Bye.